Well, praise the Lord this morning. It's great to be in the house of the Lord with each of you. If you have your Bibles, would you please open up to the book of Acts, chapter 8. Acts 8, beginning at verse 1. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere, preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip. Hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed. And many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city. And astonished the people of Samaria claiming that he was someone great, to whom they all gave heed, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And they heeded him, because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Something happens when Christ is preached. When the name Jesus Christ and the message of Christ is declared, and released and unleashed in the earth. You see, this is where the power is. There is no greater message. There is no greater manner of preaching. No greater oratory. There is no greater topic. There is no greater theme. Does it not say in John 12, 32, and I... If I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. Yes, this speaks to the cross. Yet how fitting the application here. The voice reads, when I am lifted up from the earth, then all of humanity will be drawn to me. There is a drawing in the earth. Since that great moment, when Jesus Christ was lifted up on the cross for the sins of all of humanity. He hung on the cross and he willingly gave up his life that we might have life. 
He died on the cross and was buried in a tomb. And on the third day, Jesus Christ rose again. And I can hear the voice of Jesus speaking to a generation, speaking to a people, speaking to the New Testament church, speaking to all those that are his preachers. Yes, those that would stand at a pulpit and preach, and so too those that go out and preach, running with the Great Commission. The New Century Version, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people toward me. Hello, preachers. There are a lot of things used to try and draw people to Jesus. Am I saying that all things used, such as events, socials, programs, and the like, are improper? No, not at all. Even so, there is a way in the earth today that seems to lift up other things and other names in hope that people be drawn to Jesus. I think of churches today in the earth. The heart of Jesus was that his churches be on fire with the fire of the Holy Ghost, that they be places of power, that his name would be preached and his gospel would be preached, that people would hear of the miracle gift of salvation. It was his heart that in his house, people would hear the call to repentance, that people would hear the call of the crucified life, that he would be the draw, Jesus Christ. The great evangelist Reinhard Bonnke said these words, the less Holy Spirit we have, the more cake and coffee we need to keep the church going. We need the Holy Spirit, and we need to lift up Jesus. If I am lifted up, I will draw people. Jesus, the draw. Jesus, drawing people. That's the miracle. In Acts 8, the church was facing a time of persecution. The great man of God, Stephen, had just been stoned to death. A man full of faith and power. A man that did wonders and signs among the people. The Bible says they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. And so, the plot against him. Acts 6, verses 11 to 15. Then they secretly induced men to say, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him, seized him, and brought him to the council. They also set up false witnesses who said, This man does not cease to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard, we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs which Moses delivered to us. And all who sat in the council, looking steadfastly at him, saw his face. 
as the face of an angel. Acts 7, verse 1. Then the high priest said, Are these things so? Stephen begins to speak and he tells of the truth of the kingdom of God. And then he speaks these words. Acts 7, verses 51 to 53. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers, who have received by the law, by the direction of angels, and have not kept it. Even when his life was on trial and on the line, this man didn't crack. There is a drawing taking place and there was a drawing taking place as, as Stephen preached. And yet we know that not all those who are drawn accept the message. Verse 54, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart. But the cut that could have brought forth repentance spewed out something else. Verse 54, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed at him with their teeth. The gnashing of teeth, hell on earth. Yes, the dark kingdom come on earth as it is in hell. The Passion Translation, when they heard these things, they were overtaken with violent rage filling their souls and they gnashed at him with their teeth. Acts 7, verses 54 to 60. They gnashed at him with their teeth, but he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus, standing at the right hand of God, and said, Look, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then he cried out with a loud voice. They cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Incredible. The church was facing a time of persecution. Not persecuted for handing out cake and coffee not persecuted for programs that smell of humanism, 
not persecuted for good works, void of anointing. Persecuted because of what was being preached. Rather, who was being preached? Is it true? Is the true church of Jesus Christ facing persecution today for what is preached? For who is preached? And the answer is yes. In some parts of the world, it is more blatantly obvious. However, make no mistake, it's happening in all nations. You say, what of our nation? It's happening. Yet how many churches and Christians will be like Stephen and not crack? And how many have and will tweak the message, alter the message, modify the message, water down the message, invent a new message to avoid having a world against them, to avoid facing violent rage and gnashing of teeth? Galatians 1, verses 8 and 9. But even if we... Or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you. Let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches another gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. A pseudo-Jesus, a postmodern Jesus, a new way Jesus, a relevant Jesus, a palatable Jesus, an invented Jesus, a tolerant Jesus, an inclusive Jesus. 2 Corinthians 11, verses 3 and 4, But I fear, lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached. Or if you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. The Passion Translation reads, But now I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's clever lies, your thoughts may be corrupted. And you may lose your single-hearted devotion and pure love for Christ. For you seem to gladly tolerate anyone who comes to you preaching a pseudo-Jesus. Not the Jesus we have preached. You have accepted a spirit and gospel that is false. Rather than the spirit and gospel you once embraced. How tolerant you have become of these imposters. We have to keep preaching Christ. No matter what comes our way, no matter what we face, no matter what the gospel message is met with, because the truth is this, the Word of God does not return void. 
And it is always drawing as Jesus is preached. It is always bringing a response out of the hearts of people. And the hearts of people are cut by the words of truth and life. Persecution, perhaps not the most popular term. Perhaps not the most popular message. But you know the truth. And church history proves it. The church has always remained under persecution. And the church has always prevailed under persecution. And the church has always grown under persecution. And what does Matthew 5.10 say? Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed. And so 2 Corinthians 12, verse 10, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The words of A.W. Tozer, As the world hated Christ, so it hates those who bear his image. It was the unregenerate religious world which most fiercely opposed him and sufficient for the disciple to be as his master. What of the church in Acts chapter 8 at a time when they were facing great persecution, at a time when a great persecution arose against it? Acts 8 verse 1, at that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. The Bible says that they were scattered. Verse 4, therefore those who were scattered went everywhere. You say, how can this apply to us today? Well, I hear the Spirit of the Lord applying it in this way. We gather to this house, the house of the Lord, and then we leave this place as the church of Jesus Christ. We leave this place with the mark of Christ upon us. We scatter throughout this city we scatter throughout this province. One of the churches that make up the true church of Jesus Christ in the nations. We scatter under persecution for the life we live and the one we serve. We scatter under persecution for the values of Christ that we hold to. We scatter under persecution for the beliefs of Christ that we hold to no matter the cost, no matter what comes our way, no matter what the gospel message is met with. Yes, the persecution may not seem as blatantly obvious in the place of our scattering. Yet make no mistake, it's alive. We scatter to neighborhoods, scatter to communities, 
We scatter to places of business and occupation. We scatter to places of education. We scatter to meetings and gatherings and family gatherings. We scatter to environments and situations. We scatter to friends. We scatter to acquaintances. What of the book of Acts, chapter 8, church? Verse 4. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere, preaching the word. This is the pattern, and this is the principle, and this is the call. Verses 5 to 8. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed. And the lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Does it not say in Mark 16, verses 17 and 18, and these signs will follow those who believe? In my name, in my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly... It will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. In whose name? Jesus' name. They went out full of the Holy Spirit, preaching the Word. And Jesus is the Word. And when you preach the Word, you preach Jesus. Preaching Christ preaching the things concerning the kingdom, preaching the name of Jesus, preaching the real Jesus. Heaven forbid we preach an invented Jesus, a relevant Jesus, a tolerant Jesus, a postmodern, modern-day Jesus, an inclusive Jesus. That's not the real Jesus, and it never will be. Acts 8, verse 12, when they believed Philip as he preached the things, wow, the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. What we see here, People scattered, preaching the word, preaching Christ, preaching the things of the kingdom. And here a man named Philip is preaching Christ and signs are following. All in the name of Jesus. And I love that it says there is great joy in the city. 
Both men and women are being baptized, for the Bible says, repent, be baptized, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. The irrevocable pattern. Accursed be all who preach another gospel. We preach Christ. We preach the real Christ. That's the call. You know, not many minutes from now, we'll scatter. And what shall we do? We'll scatter to places of business and occupation. Come tomorrow, we scatter to places of education. Scatter to meetings and gatherings and environments and situations. Scatter to friends. Scatter to family. Scatter to acquaintances. We'll leave this place just moments from now and we'll scatter to neighborhoods. Scatter to communities. What will we do? Preach the word in word and deed. Preach the Christ in word and deed. Preach the things of the kingdom in word and in deed. As we preach what should be preached and who should be preached, it will cut to the heart. This is the drawing work of Jesus Christ. You know, it's true that not every heart that is cut will spill out surrender. Some hearts will bleed out indifference. And some will bleed violent rage. And there will be the gnashing of teeth. George Whitfield said these words. If you are going to walk with Jesus Christ, you are going to be opposed. In our days, to be a true Christian is really to become a scandal. You can have the worship team return today. My prayer for us is this. As for us, we will press on. Because blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And therefore we take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. We press on because there are hearts that will bleed surrender. And therefore we preach Christ. Only the truth will set people free. Oswald Chambers, all heaven is interested in the cross of Christ. All hell terribly afraid of it. While men are the only beings who more or less ignore its meaning.
Even so, preach Christ. There are hearts that will bleed surrender. Preach Christ and preach the real Christ no matter what comes your way. No matter what you're faced with. No matter who rejects you. No matter who. Ravenhill said these words, it seems to me we are advertising and advocating a Christianity that has the color but not the character of the real thing. Anything in the spiritual life that savors of discipline or of really taking up the cross is termed legalism and is despised. This is not our ad campaign. We preach Christ, and we preach the crucified life. And yes, there is but one way to save this generation. It is the way of the Christ and the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Preach Christ. There is no greater message. There's no greater topic. There's no greater theme. Philippians 2, verses 7 to 11. But made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of those in heaven, and of those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Fitting for the disciple is what was fitting for the master. I just read those words, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. Let us, too, become obedient to the point of our death. Romans 14, 11, For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. One day every knee will bow. Blessed are those who bow now. One day every tongue will confess. Blessed are those who confess now. Preach Christ. It's a tragic thing that there would be a different Jesus preached. 
simply to gain followers, fill seats. Preach an invented Jesus. There's no salvation there. We don't preach an invented Jesus. We don't preach a postmodern Jesus. We don't preach an inclusive Jesus. Because that's not the Jesus of the Bible. And imagine if we scattered and we went out and we preached this this tolerant, inclusive Jesus. We think we gain people for Christ. Then comes that day when they stand before Jesus and we were the preachers <laughs> that preached the wrong Jesus. We say, well, preaching to those that aren't really close to us, we preach the real Jesus, you know. But man, when we scatter to family gatherings, we preach the tolerant Jesus. We preach the inclusive Jesus. That's not the way of Christ. Preach an inclusive Jesus and hope that they'll one day come back to church. If you're in this room this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, there's an opportunity to receive Him. as your Lord and Savior today. To receive the real Jesus. Perhaps you've received a man-made Jesus in the past, an invented Jesus. Perhaps you're here and you've been taught that Jesus was a good man, he was a good teacher had some good ideas, philosopher, yeah, even a prophet. But the Son of God, God in flesh, the King of all creation, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who knits you together in your mother's womb, The one who knows your heart better than you know your heart. That's the Jesus that loves you and gave himself for you. And you say, well, if Jesus loves me, I should be good, right? No. 
Because the only way back to relationship with God is through Jesus Christ and a personal relationship with Him. You say, that sounds so mysterious, so strange. Well, let me tell you, it's the most real thing and the most real relationship you'll ever experience. And I'm not going to say, hey, just give it a chance. Give Jesus a try. You don't try Jesus. This is how it works. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I could go down the list. You say, I'm a good person. I haven't sinned. I could go down the list. Even the smallest sin is enough to separate us. We've all sinned, every single one of us, and fallen short of the glory of God. Jesus Christ, he left heaven. What other king leaves his throne? He came and he lived a perfect life, a sinless life, the only one that has ever lived a perfect sinless life on this side of eternity. He didn't care about his own will. He cared about the will of the Father. He didn't care what opposition. He didn't care what people think. Because he was here for truth. And he was here to set them free from the power of sin and death. You see, he can see the end. He knows. And he knew what was coming. He knows the wrath that will be poured out. He understands that there is a real heaven and there is a real hell. And so he stuck to the message. The enemy tried to sway him, but he wouldn't be swayed. He willingly gave his life. He went to the cross. And I'm going to tell you what. They beat him to a bloody pulp for you. His flesh was torn for you. They made a crown of thorns and they beat it into his skull for you. And then they put him on a cross. They nailed him to the cross for you. For you. No greater love. No greater love. He laid down his life for you. And you say, well, he did it for all of humanity. And that is true. For all those who will accept him. But he would have done it if for you and you alone. And so he offers you the gift of salvation. He offers you a clean slate. And beyond the point of salvation, there is sanctification because we know not everything just falls into place immediately when we give our life to Jesus. But the journey begins. And so he offers you an opportunity today. There might be one here today. There might be two. There might be 20. I don't know. There could be more. Somebody listening to this message, hearing this message that's not here today, you can receive Jesus right where you're at. But if we're in this house today and you want to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm going to ask you to come to the front. This is not to embarrass you, to single you out. We would love to give you a Bible free. You can take the Bible. Why do I want you to come to the front? Well, if you'd like prayer, it's a sign of surrender. And at the end of the service, it's hard to know who accepted Christ and who didn't. And so, you know, we can't run out and hand Bibles out. So if that's your heart, I'm not saying you can't accept them in your seat, but I'm going to ask you to come to the front. 
If you're a prodigal here today, and you know what that means, the story of the prodigal son, I'll just sum it up. He just wanted everything from his father that belonged to him as inheritance, and he took off, and he began to live his own life, do his own thing. Reckless living, hellish living, and there he found himself next to the pigs. He was hungry. And you know, one day he came to his senses and he remembered back to how good even the servants had it in the father's house. And he was a son. And so he had to make a decision, and this is a decision every prodigal has to make, to say, I will rise, I will arise and go to my father. Sometimes we're waiting for the father to run after the prodigal and here the prodigal has a moment and says, I must rise and go to my father. And the prodigal starts the journey home. How would the father react? (laughs) You know what happened that day? The father came running, put his arms around the son, Killed the fatted calf, had a party, put a robe on the son, put a ring on his finger. My son was once lost and is found, was once dead and now is alive. And so today, let the prodigals come home. Let's stand in this house. Let's stand in this house. And church, if we're here today and we need to make a new commitment, a new commitment to preach Christ no matter the cost, let's make that commitment today. A commitment to keep the message pure no matter the cost. No matter what comes our way, no matter what the message of the gospel is faced with, but that we keep the message pure and keep the message clean. We're just going to begin to lift up Jesus in the house. If you need to respond and come forward today, don't miss the opportunity. Don't miss the opportunity. Thank you, Jesus.